You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 476 of Podcateers. This week, some crazy revelations from actors on the picket lines. We discuss the passing of Paul Rubens, known to many as Pee Wee Herman, and Disney historian Jim Corcus. Dole Whips in cookie form. The Hatbox Ghost is announced for Walt Disney World's Haunted Mansion. We announced that Figment's debut at California Adventure is coming in 2024. Well, kinda. But we do, we say that. And of course, we continue our history segment, Great Moments with Mr. Andrew, with the years 1983 and 1984. Quick reminder that we are raising money to help the Children's Hospital of Orange County, also known as Chalk. Our goal is to raise $500 before the end of August, and you can help us get there with a small donation or maybe even joining our team to help us raise money. You can go to TeamboatWilly.com, just like Steamboat Willie, but without the S, or Chalkwalk.org slash Every little bit helps, so anything you can give is greatly appreciated. We also have a few items that we'll be auctioning off to raise money, so if you want to get a little something for yourself while also helping the children of Chalk, keep an eye on our Instagram for more information. We'd love for you to join the conversation on our social networks, including Instagram and Facebook, but we invite you to join us on Discord. Joining the community is super simple. Just head over to podcasters.com links and click on the Discord button to join the community. A very special thank you goes out to an awesome group of people known as the FGP Squad, our podcast, Fairy Godparents, because it's their support via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcateers possible. As part of the FGP Squad family, you get some additional perks like exclusive discount codes for Podcateers gear, additional content that we've uploaded to Patreon, access to our happy hour calls, and just random gifts at times, just to name a few. For more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, we invite you to check out podcateers.com slash FGP. And as always, a super special thank you goes out to the FGP Squad for their continued support. All right, so it is time to get this episode started. I'm going to go get some rest and hopefully get some cookies in the next few days to try out. But if this is your first time hanging out with us, welcome. We hope that you enjoy the episode and that you come back for more. And of course, if you've been hanging with us for a while, welcome back, friends. Here is episode 476 of Podcateers. The clap, believe it or not, while not loud, for some reason still like in my head, made it feel like it was a sonic boom. Because it's close to the mic. No, I just, I don't know. I just, the last few days I've been feeling weird. Like I feel off. Ah. Like I just, I haven't been feeling 100%. All of today, I've just had this intense headache. That at times throughout the day, because of the heat, like I was seeing blurry Mm. and it was just annoying because I was trying to concentrate on what I was reading and I just felt like my vision was just blurring. So it's been a long day to say the least, but hey, this is a highlight yeah. I get to talk to both of you. I get to hey, hang out for a bit. How nice. Yeah, we and get then, some laughs. And then I'm going to go to bed. 
Yeah. Yay, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> there aren't a lot of updates. I wanted to talk, you know, about the strike if there was any changes, but at this point it's all pretty much the same. I think after all of the updates that they had last week where they gave a little more guidance to what podcasters and influencers and you know content anybody that creators, does content yeah. yeah yeah content creators do now that there's a little bit more of a direction that people can take i think a lot of people are trying to figure out how they can pivot their content especially if they talk about you know primarily disney stuff uh for us from what we've been able to interpret the parks are still kind of okay uh, it seems to straddle depending on who you talk to, because if you talk about the parks, you're talking about the company. But uh, I, again, unless someone from SAG-AFTRA wants to reach out and help us understand this part a little bit more, uh, every one of the Disney company umbrella things is run as a separate business and the parks are run separately. So I'm I hope I'm okay. Like I hope I'm okay saying that we're safe to talk about the parks for now. So we're going to continue talking about the parks unless someone approaches us and says, "Hey, no, you know, we're boycotting the parks now." Watching stuff from the streaming services, there's no boycott against that. But talking going to about see the movies work, still, yeah, going to see movies still okay. So you know, if you wanted to go watch a movie about spooks that was recently released you can watch it yeah but we just can't talk about it correct right so spooky it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be weird for a while i'm hoping that they're able to reach a deal sometime soon not for the sake of the content that we're creating but primarily because the more i'm hearing about what's happening and why this is going on Honestly, the sadder I get for a lot of these actors, right? Because, you know, we talked about, I don't know if we mentioned it in one of the last couple of episodes, but one of the uh, actors from uh, Orange is the New Black had talked about how they got a residual check for like $27. Yeah. And I saw a couple of other videos. Uh, if I can find them, I'll share it on Discord. I'm trying to remember who posted them. But there was two actors that shared a residual check, one for zero. It it was literally a check for zero dollars and zero cents. And the other one was a negative residual check. I don't understand that. Apparently like, it was negative four dollars because they overpaid them four dollars. Four dollars. Oh, yep. I think it's your fault $4. if you overpay four dollars. Exactly. You eat that. Yeah. Counter yeah. L. How do you even go to the bank? Does it even count if it's a check for negative? Like, how does that even work? Like, how do they get their money back at that point? Like, it's not like a debit transaction. You know what I mean? It yeah. That costs- just seeing the negative check <laughs> broke my brain in so many ways because I just thought, y- you see how dumb this is. It right? is because it costs more to make the check. That says it's negative, and it's like, wait, 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 but not smart, and... That's what I'm saying. What? That's a waste of paper. (laughs) Yeah. Some of these videos, I'm just watching them thinking, like, you know, make this make sense to me, because Mm -hmm. I... (sighs) 
I get the whole like corporate greed has been around for a really long time, you know, but the the ability to share things like this on social media has really made it more apparent how many people are struggling because of stuff like this. So there was oh, there was also a video. Oh, what was his name? I am blanking. My headache is, listen, I'm going to struggle for the rest of the episode because my headache is like top notch right now. So if I don't make sense, I hope I can fix it in post. <laughs> but we'll figure it there out. was a video. Yeah, there was a video uh, from an actor who, you know, we talked about the whole AI thing. And we talked about how one of the things that they're arguing is that they want to be able to scan people and Mm -hmm. use them in future projects, but only pay them once for going in and getting their face scan, right? They want to be able to own the likeness of that actor or actress for however long they they want to pay. In perpetuity, right? And uh, this actor says that he worked on Iron Man 2. Was it Iron Man 2 or Iron Man 3? It had to have been two because that's the one with Whiplash. That's the one where they were on the racing track and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, he said that he worked on Iron Man 2 and that it was really long days. And that close to the end of the week, if I'm remembering the story correctly, uh, the people he was working with at Disney and Marvel said, hey, we want you to go to that tent right over there and we want you to get your photo taken. And he thought, oh, you know, it's just a photo. You know, they probably want, in case they want to hire you for more background work or whatever. Uh-huh. But that when he went to the tent, this is, mind you, this is like 10, 12 years ago now since the release yeah. of Iron Man 2. Right? Yeah. Uh, he says that they told him to stand in this awkward position with his hands out. And they made him turn 15 degrees at a time to get a 360 scan. Basically a bunch of pictures, mm-hmm. 360 because they were archiving his likeness. No. So apparently this is something that has been like I don't know how often they've done this, right? right? I don't know who else has done it, how often it's happened. This is just one experience that was shared and I'm now sharing with you after watching this video, right? So um I'm not going to sit here and and accuse the person uh, you know, of lying, saying that this didn't happen, because obviously if there's other people that were on the set, somebody can bring receipts if they have to. Right. But right. if that if that, you know, if that was happening 10 years ago, I, I'm wondering if it's something that's like outside of the realm of like Star Wars and how we've gotten certain characters back. I feel like that's newer technology where they've been able to extract the likeness. But the fact that they were taking 360 images of people as far back as like Iron Man 2, just I, I don't know. It kind of it was mind boggling to see how how long ago this has been, I guess, part of the plan. Maybe I don't know. That's crazy. I'm, I'm glad he spoke up because, I mean, look how long it's taken for not saying that it's taking this person this long to say something, but I'm glad that person is speaking up. That's wrong. Uh, it's like every every time you hear something, uh, it's just more disgust and just just more anger. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. It sucks. It's interesting why, 
you know, they they're like, oh, trying to just get away with uh, saving money in their their book. Uh, but it's it's uh, doesn't seem like a right thing to do. And also don't forget that while the actors and the writers are on strike, like no work is going on. So like there's other unions. There's like the, you know, the IATSE, the stagehand union. I'm sure some of the Teamsters and all these other people that work on productions are also out of work. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not just affecting the the unions that are striking, but the unions that are in solidarity with the with the SAG-AFTRA and the WGA. So there's there's lots of people that are in support of this, and uh, even though their unions are not striking, they are in solidarity with them, as we are. <laughs> yeah, I think mm-hmm. there's also non-union people that are super affected by it because I know that there are some motion graphic artists and like audio like audio mixing uh companies that do the work for these major films that Mm -hmm. aren't working right now either because it's just no work uh there is uh some confusion still uh because there are a lot of independent films getting made with some major actors but i think a lot of these from what i'm reading and from what i've seen uh, SAG-AFTRA is approving these films through mm-hmm, the independent right. studios. And although there's a lot of backlash because some of them have some really high-profile actors in them, I think the point, at least it feels like the point that SAG-AFTRA is trying to make is that they're able to make these films with or without the major studios. Correct. Yep. Right? So if they're able to successfully make, fund, release, and distribute films, you know, these independent films, then it it hopefully gives them a little bit more bargaining power. Yeah. Uh, I don't think everybody sees it that way. I think some people see it as those actors possibly scabbing or, you know, whatever. But they're, the, the unions are on strike against the AMPTP. And that's, they're not, on strike uh, just like in general like hey just the amptp is the majority of how films are made so that's why that's who they're on a strike against because that's the contract that they are trying to update is with the amptp so these other independent films that are truly independent um have independent financing and are from independent studios are getting waivers and some people like you said some people are not happy with it but it it does you know show that movies can still get made without the big the big uh however many studios the big the big daddies of the of the studios and whatever you want to call them uh yeah the big da- the adam sandler uh big daddy no <laughs> um yeah. but yeah so yeah there's uh hopefully this ends soon because i know everybody just wants I mean, everybody except like nine people want uh, these uh, all the actors and the writers to get a fair deal and to get everything that's coming to them. There's there's like nine whole people that don't want them to. So uh, how about those nine people can uh, shove it? I guess I don't know. Take an L. (laughs) Yeah, take an L. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Hey, sad news this week. Uh, speaking of actors, uh, Paul Rubens. 
Yeah. We saw news pop up all over social media that Paul Rubens had passed away uh, after a multi-year battle with cancer. You know, he had, I guess, not shared it publicly. He was, you know, kind of going through this and treatment and everything. Uh, it's very similar to, you know, Chadwick Boseman when he found out that he was sick, that he didn't really share it either. Cancer sucks, man. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. you know, in any way, shape, or form, you know, part of the reason we do the Team Boat Willie stuff is to try to help raise money for for helping create cures and treatments for stuff like this because it just it wrecks people it wrecks families it wrecks so many things it just it sucks altogether yeah it's a domino effect like it just doesn't affect one person it just goes but um it's i i guess like no one really knew that he was battling for a while um you wouldn't have guessed it if you were fortunate enough to see him perform the past two years, you would not have guessed it because this guy was just living it up and having fun and didn't, I don't want to say look, he just didn't look like that. He just didn't. He was happy and into his character, which is totally what we know and, you know, we grew up with. So... Yeah, to see, like, such a funny guy just go through that, like, pretty much private is just like, dang. And like you have mentioned, Chadwick Boseman is, like, similar, where it's like, whoa, we didn't even know this. And we saw him in films. So this guy had not just the, you know, the funny factor, but his strength. Dang. Like, all right, you know what? That's something awesome. That's that's awesome. You lived your life like the way that you wanted. And that's something like a lot of people don't get to do, especially with cancer. So that right there was like, for me, it, it was more like, that was awesome to see. Gonna miss him though. Long live weird. Exactly. It's a... Uh... Little, it's a, a little less, uh, a little less silly in the world anymore. Yeah. Yep. I remember there was this one time that Pee Wee was on SmackDown or something like that, mm-hmm. and he had been interacting with multiple wrestlers. I forgot what he was out promoting. It was probably a, a, the release of some film or something. But uh, I remember he had this like backstage segment. So I looked it up on YouTube. Thankfully, somebody had it posted. Nice. But he was interacting with The Rock and he was going back and forth because he's like, do you want to be part of Team Bring It or Team Little Kid or something? Because he was comparing John Cena with Little Kids or something like uh-huh. that. I'm paraphrasing now. But he he thinks about it. He's like, oh, ah, I thought about it. I want to be part of Team Bring It. If you smell... Oh, what the... Pee-wee is cooking. And I was That's like, oh awesome. my gosh, I remember this when it happened. <laughs> and so he starts like high-fiving them and daps and stuff. And he's like, uh-huh. uh, okay, that's enough. That's enough. Stop. Just just stop. And he keeps going and he's like elbowing <laughs> him and like high-fiving his shoulders and everything. He's like, okay, stop. You're going too far. Just enough already. And then he goes out and he has this like whole segment with the Miz about, 
you know, like the secret word and the secret word is ring. And so <laughs> every time the Miz would say, Pee-wee, get out of my ring. Ah! <laughs> and everybody would start clapping and laughing and yelling. It was so funny. But yeah, we're going to continue doing Team Boat Willie stuff to try to help, you know, just get rid of horrible diseases like this. We're going to keep raising money for for institutions that are doing the good work to try to help people. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think we're already kind of seeing a lot of this, right? There's a lot of reports about how, you know, certain cancers are being abolished, that there's almost a vaccine for cancer. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was recently an article about somebody who went in for cancer and they went into HIV remission because of how similar, you know, the, the diseases that the cells that those, those diseases target you know, mm-hmm. affect your body that it mm-hmm. they went in for one thing and they were kind of he- healed, I want to say almost from something else, you know, so gotcha. we could sit here and talk about how many bad things are in the world. But when you read stories like that, you realize that there's still a lot of good in the world. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so sometimes you just have to work a little harder to find those stories, <laughs> yes. to, to, <laughs> you know, uh, to help you get through the day sometimes. But yeah, uh, and then on top of that, you know, the other sad thing that I I saw come across my Instagram feed is I don't know if if either of you were familiar with author Jim Corcus, but Jim Corcus is uh, the the series that brought me into Jim Corcus's writing was the Vault of Walt series. He was such a great historian, like he's got what like three dozen books maybe of just disney facts and uh, i i mean look him up on amazon there's tons of books that you can purchase but i found out that he passed away uh he was 72 i believe mm-hmm. you know usually when somebody in the disney community passes away um i i may not have known jim corcus but you know you you read the writing you you make a connection you know with these people from afar and uh i i felt this one you know i I felt this one a little bit too so uh that was also sad coming across uh the feed yeah it's it's always you know it's sad when when these influential people even though they're not you know jim corcus was a disney employee at one point he worked with at the parks and different things like that but like they're, he's not prolific as a like Disney employee. He's a pro, uh, prolific as a writer and just somebody that has been around Disney um, and the park specifically, um, basically his whole life. Um, because uh, I believe he was he grew up in and around Anaheim around the time that Disneyland had opened. So he was very you know just in the culture and all that stuff. So he was able to meet people that maybe, you know, you know, people wouldn't normally have met and, and kind of had different opportunities that led to him getting all of this knowledge and be able to tell this history of, of specifically the parks and, you know, generally other Disney things. And so it's, it's it's kind of like losing, it's kind of like Dave Smith and all these like other people, whereas, it was, um, you know, who knows what was up in his head 
that hadn't been put on paper or on the page yet. Right. So it's right. it's uh granted he he had done, you know, so many books, so I'm sure that uh they he's got most of it out of there, but it's always it's it's uh never a fun time to lose anyone and especially anybody that's uh so influential in in history. Yeah. Like in preserving history. I wasn't familiar with his name. But when you sent us the text, I was like, I got to see who this is, because if you're telling me like that you're really sad, I was like, okay, I need to know who this is. Like there was something telling me I should have known. And when I looked up like a little bit of the history, it hurts to know that we lost someone, like you said, Andrew, that has that knowledge Mm -hmm. because we're we don't. Like there's so much and it's like, ah, there's just so much. And having to lose Dave was a hard one because, again, there's that knowledge and experience and everything. And it's that hurts the community as a whole, because, again, we don't know what else could have been there. Yes, we had, you know, the books. And I'm going to have to actually look these up because I love those kind of books and I kind of need more. So I'm going to look into this and it's, it's just hard when we lose valuable, like a valuable person and, you know, just thank you for all the knowledge. That's what I would say. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody's point of entry into like Disney stuff is different, right? Sometimes the the animated stuff is is your point of entry. Sometimes it's the films. Uh, I think a lot of people in around our age group, a lot of people's barrier uh, or or like point of entry was the Disney Renaissance films. You know, I think most of the people that I know can recite the Little Mermaid beginning to the end of the credits you mm-hmm. know without missing a word or the lion king or aladdin sing all of the songs you know i've talked about how the doom buggies website was kind of my point of entry and then i uh-huh. kind of got into the whole imagineering thing and everything but uh, around that time uh, i remember that some of jim Corcus's books were also part of what really intrigued me um yeah, great author. Look up his work. If if you like Disney trivia and you just kind of like knowing about these stories from behind the scenes in the park and like things you can kind of bring up when you're talking to your other Disney nerdy friends, uh, Jim's books, just like, like Andrew was saying, just like Dave's books were just a wealth of knowledge when it came to all things Disneyland and Disney World. So definitely recommend checking out his books. Uh, hey, Mel, tell me about this cookie thing that you got real quick. I wrote <laughs> it in my notes of things to ask you today. <laughs> this cookie, I've never had um, crumble cookie. And I've, I've never had it before. And uh, Jill actually treated me, but it was on her birthday. So, Jill, I love you. Thank you. Happy birthday, Jill! <laughs> um, I've never been to one. She was like, you know what? There's a mystery thing. I ordered it. I don't know what it is. Let's just go in. I could be wrong on the wording because I didn't eat 
majority of the day because I just came out of the dentist before I saw her. So I'm going to say that. Oh. <laughs> so I didn't have much, much food. <laughs> but, you know, we go in and then she was excited to see that it was the pineapple whip cookie. Oh. Um, one, I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm excited. I'm going to try this. I didn't, I babied this after my first taste because it was like, there's, a, okay, so if you've seen That's So Raven, you know that moment where she's like, she just zones out into like yeah. something and then she comes back, right? Okay, so I am Raven. I take a bite. I am zoning out and it's taking me to Adventureland. Like, so awesome. good. Yeah, <laughs> it was so good. I was babying this thing so, so much because every taste was Dole Whip. I don't know how, I, I don't know if I miss it. I don't know if I miss Disneyland that much. I don't know. But I kept telling Jill, I'm like, Jill, this tastes so good. <laughs> I cannot eat this whole thing <laughs> in one sitting. And I had a spoon. So I was just like going slowly with this cookie because yeah. I did not want that to end. But, oh, it was so good. Unfortunately, it was at the time, it was the last two days. So I don't know when they'll bring it back. Um I didn't know it existed, so I apologize in advance. But... So yeah, crumble cookie, yeah, they they I have some around here, and uh -huh. they seem to rotate through their f flavors fairly frequently. Oh, okay. I think it's like every yeah. every day there's like five new flavors. So and I'm sure they have I don't know if they have like 50 flavors or whatever. So I don't know if it's like every week. I'm not sure what the thing is, but I think you can look up on I don't know if it's their website or something. There's a place where you can figure out what cookies they have for the day. Ah. But they're like they're those cookies are huge. They are. They're yeah, they're bananas. They are. And then they have one that's a strawberry shortcake, like the paleta that they would sell. Yeah. And that it, it just looks good. I'm like, this is going to be bad now that I know about this cookie. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make some enemies right now. Uh, so first of all, when Jill sent me the text message, I think she was overly excited about what was happening because... I read her text message and it didn't fully make sense to me because I had zero context. <laughs> and she's telling me like, if you have the app, like you can get this, like it's a, it was like a secret <laughs> cookie apparently. Like you couldn't, like you wouldn't have seen it if you had gone into a crumble cookies. Like it was a secret item that you, that you could only find through the app and you could find the locations that had that particular flavor. Ah. So once I was able to piece her text message together with your text message talking about it, <laughs> I was like, Oh, got it. That's what she's talking about. Right. So it all kind of makes sense after all right. uh, I <laughs> have a, a pretty, I, I don't know. I think it's a fairly generous rule, especially for something that costs a good amount of money. Like, because cum crumble cookies are not cheap, right? They're no. they're large, but they are they're also pretty expensive for a cookie, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've eaten three crumble cookies. Like I've given them three opportunities, and I've been underwhelmed by the taste Aww. of their cookies every single time. And I've had different flavors. Like it wasn't like just chocolate chip, right? It wasn't like the same thing. However, I feel like I should have had the chocolate chip each time 
to compare it to see if it was just like maybe they had an off day or maybe they maybe. you know just you know because because that happens right like even mm-hmm. when you cook in your house you could cook the same meal 10 times and all 10 times it's going to taste slightly different right right because i know i go through this with tacos a lot like my litmus test for a good mexican taco place mm-hmm. is whether or not i can get a tasty al pastor taco if i uh, get a, yeah. al pastor taco that is like okay but if you if you do me wrong on the al pastor taco I'll give you up to three chances. Like maybe you just had an off day. And I feel like I did that with Crumble. I've also given the three strike rule to Porto's. And (laughs) I kind of put Porto's on the same level as Crumble cookies where they Mm -hmm. just feel super overrated for what they are. I don't know. Maybe I just need to give it a chance. Uh, I'm, I'm open to it. My wife has brought me... Uh, I forgot what it was, but it was like this coconut pineapple thing from Porto's that I had not had before. And uh, I actually enjoyed it. I actually thought it was very tasty compared to some of the other stuff. But like people talk about Porto's and their potato balls like it's like the end all be all of every freaking meal that you will ever (laughs) have in your life. I'm like, they're they're okay. They're not like (laughs) I'm not going to die if I don't eat them. Right. But I don't know. Uh, may I don't know. Maybe I'm just cranky old man at this point. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? All I know is that the cookie gave me the satisfaction without having to pay so much for a Dole Whip. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I've, I've, I'm happy yeah. it did. It's it's all I think on like maybe you just got their bad one of the day, like their bad style. Like I always have. I usually have pretty good uh, luck with like anything that's like a chocolate based cookie. Um, or a peanut butter based cookie from them, um, but like any of the like sugar cookies, I always find to be too dry. Um, mm. The it, w- one of so the I ones that I ate was a sugar cookie. Now, in all yeah. fairness, I will say that at least two of the cookies I tried from the same batch, like the same day that somebody had purchased them and was sharing them with me. Gotcha. So I don't know if crumble cookies. Uh, be- I I I have run into situations. Which I think is why I lean this way with Portos, by the way. That at, when when we were in the office, people would buy food every day. All the time there were snacks and food and all sorts of stuff to eat. And because of that, everybody was always sharing what they got for lunch, right? Because you're not going to eat everything. You just order a bunch and then you kind of share it, distribute it, so it doesn't get thrown away. And I remember... A couple times people getting portos and they offered me lunch and I went and I got some, but it just kind of sat there and I, I like I didn't eat it immediately because I was working on something else or I, whatever I was doing. I just couldn't eat it at the time. Uh, and I think that may have affected how I felt about it. So I do want to be fair about that. I do want to throw that out there and I just don't want to be a, like a portos hater or anything. <laughs> right. So yeah. I want to be I, I want to try to be objective about what I'm saying yeah. about how I feel about it. And I think that's what happened with Crumble. I don't know if maybe towards the end of the day, they're just not warm and they don't have that like nice, chewy consistency and flavor that everybody is like swooning over. But I mean, there's been tons of people on social media that are like, oh, well, they're just duncan Hines, or they're just betty crocker mixes like you know who cares if you find something that works go with it like if you can make something tasty out of it bake the hell out of it right you know go do you (laughs) 
<laughs> I actually but if it's was not tasty, to, I'll tell you I didn't like it. <laughs> you know what? I was talking to Jill about this. And I was like, well, what's the difference between cookie, like the cake, using the cake batter and homemade when it's part of the ingredients to make the product? You're still making it. So mm-hmm. there you go. <laughs> I know. I know. And that's what I'm saying that I'm not. I'm not saying what I'm saying because I'm trying to be like a hater for these products. I know that there's tons of people that enjoy them, right? Right. Sadly, I haven't had ones that I've enjoyed. Maybe if I tried a flavor that, you know, I was looking for, Mm -hmm. maybe I would enjoy it more. And honestly, I'm open to it. I, you know, maybe this weekend I'll go back and I'll get a couple and I'll tell you how I feel about it next week. I'm not opposed to it. Again, cranky old man. I don't know. I'm just going (laughs) to stick to that right now. That's Hazen fine. has a headache. Hazen has a headache and he's a cranky <laughs> old man. <laughs> so I want to talk about a couple of parks things since you since we're talking about Dole Whip and all that stuff. Uh, before we talk about the park stuff, I want to remind you of a couple of things. One, this episode of Podcasters is brought to you by a fantastic group of listeners known as the FGP Squad, our podcast fairy godparents. Uh, because it is their support via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcasters possible. This kind of all wraps up and it all kind of like works together because you were talking about Dole Whip and, you know, the flavor of the cookie. And it reminded me of this T-shirt design that I was working on that looks like a Dole Whip cup. And, you know, we're talking about the design. Should it have a spoon or should it not have a spoon? And thank you, Discord, for helping me uh, order the test without a spoon. But uh, the reason it all tied it together is because... I've been working on a couple of things that I want to send out for the FGP squad. And both of you know the struggles that I've been through with this. But this company that I ordered the recent supplies from that I that I needed uh, looks like it's finally going to work out. And I'm super excited about it because the Yay. design of the Dole Whip was one of the things that I ordered from them. So uh, more on that is coming soon. But... Uh, if you're interested in becoming part of the FGP squad family or just want a little bit more information, head over to podcasters.com slash FGP. There you'll find a list of some of our top contributors, a link to our Patreon, some information on the FGP squad itself. And if you have any questions, of course, you can always reach out to us. We'll be happy to answer any questions that you might have. But being a part of the FGP squad family gets you some additional perks like access to a special section of Discord, additional content that we've uploaded to Patreon, access to any of our happy hour calls, random gifts that I send out at times and more. So, again... More information can be found at podcasters.com slash FGP. And to all of the members of the FGP squad, we just want to send a huge thank you for your continued support. Uh, The other thing that I want to remind everybody of is that we are currently raising money to help the Children's Hospital of Orange County. We are trying to raise $500. It's It's a pretty low amount to try to help them in helping the children. And we're going to be doing some auctions. We have a couple of items that have been donated by FGP squad members. There's a couple of items that we are are putting up ourselves, including something that Mel just put together. Mel, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I finally had a chance to go out and just check out different things. Jill, again, thank you. She's the one that helped me out with this. She let me know that there was a couple of Disney items that were 
available at Dezo. So we're like, you know what? Let's check it out and see what we can find and stuff. Let me tell you, one, it was hard. <laughs> it was hard to not buy for myself because these are cute stuff and they're really good things that I would buy. So I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, I got to get this. I got to get this. There's so many items. Okay, show and tell. <laughs> so we sent you a picture of this, Hazen, and we had to get it. This Mickey's is little cool. red pants. Yes. Mickey's knickers. Of course. Inside joke. I was like, I got to include it. It's actually really cool. <laughs> it's a, it's actually a laundry net. So you could just put like something in there. I'm thinking like ears or something or whatever you want. So Dude, it's you... a little zippy pouch. Yeah. So I was like, okay, it's cute. And okay. This I was excited for because I did not buy this for myself. <laughs> and it took a lot of restraint not to do it. There are one, two, three, four, five different molds that you could use for candy, baking, resin, whatever. It's Ice really, cubes. really cool. I, yeah, that too. I mean, they're giant though. If you want ice cream. Jello snacks. Jello. If yeah. you want. I didn't think about that either. There you go. See? <laughs> so there's actually a Toy Story 1, which is really, really cute. Monsters, Inc., which I thought I like was the Monsters, like, Inc. one. That's pretty yeah. dope. Yeah. <laughs> Mike and Sully. Right? And then oh, there's a Winnie the Pooh. With the honey Some pot, honey which is, pots. yeah, <laughs> so cute. And then, of course, you've got Mickey and Minnie and the gloves. So you can't go wrong with that. My heart sank. I was like, there's Chip and Dale. You don't <laughs> see cool. many things like that. So yep. all of this what I'm talking about is going to be in this, I'm going to, basket, I guess. Um, hold on, but wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. I wasn't kidding when I said there was a lot of stuff, so hold on, bear with me. <laughs> so also included in this, there are really cute wooden spoons with um, Daisy and Donald, which, nice. one, you don't really see like much those. of that. You usually see Mickey and Minnie, so... That's going to be included. And they had a really cool ID case, which I thought just the style reminded me of like Coach. I'm like, dang, this is all right. It does. It does. It looks pretty, pretty cool. Of course, a reusable tote bag because, yeah, you do. But of course, in blue and white or navy and white, I guess you could say. Again, Chip and Dale. And Clarice on a baggie. It's like on a coin nice. bag. And it's cute because, again, cool. you don't That's see cool. Clarice. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just looking through all the different things that they had. And, yeah, I tested, like, if it looked, I mean, if it was um, sturdy, if it wasn't too thin. Like, I really went through. Because there was a couple of things that they had that... I wouldn't, I was afraid to get because I didn't want anything to break or anything. So I tried to like look mm. through for stuff. 
I'm sorry, guys. This is taking a while. No, I did say we were going to talk a while. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, a couple more things. Popsicles, makers, molds. Those are awesome. They're cute. Mickey and Minnie. I'm, they are They are awesome. cute. And they come with the stick. They're ready to go. You just pour it in there. Boom. Done. Okay, one more. See, I told you guys this is a big one. I was like, I had to get all this stuff. I thought this was adorable. It could be like a keepsake or, you know, whatever you want to do with it. But this is cute. And it's classic. It's like a, is That's it like a, a crumble bin? cookie jar right there. Yeah. It pretty much is. It's a bin. <laughs> Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. This is Mickey and Minnie. Yeah. And their classic animation looking thing. It's, Minnie's got a little hat on. It's adorable. It's adorable. Yeah. So everything that I've mentioned is going to go towards this raffle. And I, excuse me. <laughs> I'm tired. Auction. Oh, my God. Okay, I should have said that I got less than five hours of sleep. So there you go. There's my disclaimer. Uh, yeah, it is not a raffle. <laughs> it is a auction. And I even wrote it down on the notepad. But there you go. Those are ev- that's, that's everything. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. I have to tell you that I feel like at some point I'm going to have to try to get those those molds for us, especially the Mickey one, the Monsters, Inc. one. I mean, they were all nice. Yeah, but, they are. You know, ice cubes, if you're into making, like, chocolate stuff, I think they mm-hmm. would be great for making, like, like chocolate molding. If you want to make your own treats, like I said, jello or adult jello snacks, I think yeah. would be good in those molds. And you're a Disney fan. I'm just, I mean, I, I like them a lot, actually. Right. And not everything was in the store because I just went online and I didn't see um, they had um, measuring spoons and whatnot. I didn't see that over there. So I don't know if this stuff varies from store to store. So I figure I might as well just grab everything. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. I I think this is going to be a really fun thing to auction off. Um, So... We're going to have more info on the auctions very soon. So if you're not following us on Instagram, make sure that you are because that's where the auctions are going to take place. In the past, the way that we've done them is we'll post the item that's up for auction along with a starting bid. Then you can place a bid for that item. And the way that we conduct it is you have to reply to the last person that bid with your new bid. At the end, when we close out the auction, whenever we decide that the close is, the person with the highest bid or the last reply will be the winner. And the money doesn't ever come to us. The way that we do it is we have the person that won the auction make a donation to the Team Boat Willie fundraising page. And then uh, we just have them send us a screenshot or something once it posts. And then we ask for an address, we wrap it up, and we send you the item that you essentially uh, purchase as part of the auction. So, again, more on that will be coming up soon. Keep an eye out on Instagram. We'll post the items on Discord as well if you are following us there. Uh, Threads, we'll post it there as well uh, because we're there. Mm -hmm. Why not? Why wouldn't we post it on there, right? 
but yeah. I'm excited. I think these are really great items along with the stuff that we've had FGP squad members uh, donate. I'm, I'm really excited about this one. Me too. Uh, let's see. So that wraps it back to the parks. And I want to just talk about something that, you know, came across my feed this last week. And I know this is something that a lot of people have been asking for for a really long time. But news recently was posted that uh, the Hatbox Ghost is coming to Walt Disney World. You know, I know for some time there there was possibly even a petition at one point because the Hatbox Ghost just had to be at Disney World because why not, right? Uh, because it's not Disneyland, that's why not. But, you know, I guess we lost that one because Disney announced that the Hatbox Ghost is coming to Florida. So one, first your thoughts on Hattie now being bi-coastal. And uh, then I would like to share my thoughts on this. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. I have these. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Melissa put on little devil horns. I sure did because this is a mood right now. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, (laughs) uh, Okay. So when you told us the news... I'm not going to, well, yes, I could sugarcoat it because it has to be uh, minivan friendly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was shopping at Diesel when this happened and I forgot I was there with other people surrounding me. So I said a few words and I'm like, (gasps) um, whoops, but it, it's I'm a little frustrated over this. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little frustrated because it's it's hitting me differently. And it, it, it it's just sour to me because we waited for so long for Hatbox Ghost, for Hattie to come back. And that day was just amazing because we got to see the legend, the true thing that, that was missing from the mansion. You know, that is a day that may not... That Bucks Ghost Day. Yes. Uh-huh. That is a thing. I will die on that hill. <laughs> so um, will I. <laughs> <laughs> and I get... See, this is the part that I'm kind of like, I don't know about this, is because every haunted mansion in every Disney park is different. And that was the whole... That was a beautiful thing about that particular attraction is that you had that opportunity to, ex- you know, experience different styles, different stories. It kind of defeats that a little bit. Um, it it kind of is like, well, are we going to see him pop up everywhere else? Except for Mystic Manor because he wouldn't fit there. That That's a given. But it. I know people are going to be like, well, you know what? Look, again, five hours or less of sleep. I am trying to be very good at this, but I'm also a pretty passionate person. And my horns come out, which is why I'm wearing small little devil horns, because that's how I feel right now. So it's frustrating because Walt Disney World tends to get a lot of cool things like lands and attractions we don't get that here period 
we just don't. We were lucky. We were so lucky with Galaxy's Edge. I don't know if we'll ever get another land. We, it's just like, when is that going to happen? It's been, it just, it's unheard of. And uh, it's kind of like, look, guys, I get it. I get it. You want new stuff. You do. I, I, I get the passion behind that. But you guys have so much that we don't. You know, there, there's a lot. There's a lot. And I kind of feel like, oh, like Hattie should have just stayed here. Now, granted, um, with some information, it makes sense to have them there. But my heart is like, no, <laughs> it's just, it, that's how I could say it. But you know what? Here's my thing. Fine. Cool. People are not going to like this. but <laughs> Sure. Have them at Walt Disney World. Always remember the legend starts at Disneyland. There we go. <laughs> I don't want to start a war, but I had to say that. <laughs> it's you know it's it's uh sit down i'll weave you a tail but no, I've, i'll try not to go too long but <laughs> the thing with the haunted mansions specifically the disneyland and the walt disney world haunted mansions are they were basically developed simultaneously um you know they started buying land for for walt disney world in 1964 um that's you know haunted mansion was in development a little bit before that at Disneyland and the, you know, the, the building, the, the facade of the building was up years before the attraction ever actually got built and finished. But when, when it comes down to, you know, solidifying the, the animatronics and, and things like that, relatively speaking, you know, the, these rides are only two years apart in their opening. A lot of this stuff was built you know, they they knew what they were doing with each of these mansions. They had a specific idea. And the Disneyland mansion was used sort of as a testing ground for what would become the Walt Disney World Haunted Mansion. That's kind of why we got the Hatbox Ghost. The legend, as Mel says, of the Hatbox Ghost in general is because they... they stuff didn't work as as the legend goes. So, what, the effect didn't work or it was too scary or whatever you want to believe. Um... They was put in and then something was amiss and they took it out. And so it was never put in or created for the Walt Disney World Mansion um, intentionally because there was it didn't work or what have you. Um, but because of the the excess space that they have in Florida, they're able to do more with the mansion than they had space for at Disneyland. That's why we have in in the Walt Disney World Mansion. There's that whole like uh, M.C. Escher stairs thing, and there the entrance. Once you get on the Doom buggy, you have the the library and all the these extra things that are in the Walt Disney World version that are not in the Disneyland version because they have the um, the the space that they could have done it. So it was intentional by the Imagineers to not include the Hatbox Ghost in the Walt Disney World uh, Haunted Mansion from the get-go. So that's kind of the the reason that 
I think a lot of people get irked by it. And, you know, the the whole reason that they're doing this, as far as I am concerned, is uh, everybody's favorite word, synergy, merchandise sales. They know that this Hatbox Ghost, it sells like hotcakes at Disneyland. You put a Hatbox Ghost on anything, they'll buy it up. Mm-hmm. But the, you know, the people in Florida, they're not going to, you know, if they're not a, like, bi-coastal person they don't go to disneyland that much or they just have a preference for walt disney world or they're the only vacation at walt disney world what have you they are only going to want to like me like i only like to buy disneyland specific things when i go to disneyland that's like i went to disneyland i want to have a souvenir from disneyland so it kind of makes me weird when you go to like the poo store in uh crater country and there's like a, a epcot shirt there uh true thing that happened so it's it's all kind of bizarre when when stuff like that happens. So they're trying to capitalize on the popularity of the Hatbox Ghost at Disneyland and all the merchandise that it sells to then bring that to Walt Disney World to sell more merchandise is my humble opinion on why this is happening at all. Um, as for the location of where it's happening... Um, Hazen seems to have some insider knowledge on, on why it may, uh, be in a better look in a location that might make sense, but in, in the general storyline for the haunted mansion, you don't, uh, see any ghosts until Madame Leota's seance. And then after Madame Leota's seance, you see ghosts and apparitions, what have you, the swinging wake happens. And that's where you go through the ballroom and the attic and the, the graveyard. So in, in Walt Disney World's version, they are planning on putting the Hatbox Ghost in the Endless Hallway, which, if you're familiar with Disneyland's version, is the first thing you see. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I think Walt Disney World, it's not the very... I think the library is the first thing and then the Endless Hallway. So, but it's very, very early on in the, in the storyline of the ride. So it, it doesn't make sense in that regard to the story of of what we perceive as the story of the Haunted Mansion. Because if you talk to an Imagineer anywhere that has worked on the Haunted Mansion, they'll tell you that there's no story, there's no character names, there's no this, there's no that. Everything that we know about the Haunted Mansion, that are names, that are storylines, and what have you, are all just mostly either done by marketing people or people that have written books um, or fiction or or whatever for the mansion, but in the canon of Imagineering, the there isn't a canonical like storyline for the mansion. So there's there's things to say on both ends of it, and because there isn't a storyline, you could in theory do whatever you want. But my larger point going into this is. Wouldn't it be great if they would let Imagineering do what they do best and create an original character and put an original character in Walt Disney World's Haunted Mansion? I think that would get more buzz than bringing the Hatbox Ghost. And then, you know, they, all press is good press, and they couldn't reuse the the all the Hatbox Ghost popcorn buckets and pins and blah 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 and bring those over to Disney World but what what a cool thing it would be to be like hey we're updating this ride with just 
a new cool character that we just came up with. Yeah. We wanted to put some cool ghost here or some whatever just just because that's the kind of thing that in this big long rant that I'm having that the the parks and every whoever is in charge need to realize that that's where they need to get back to is letting the imagineers stretch a little and come up with original characters and original ideas and IP that is specific to the park to to make people interested in in not just your movie or TV show IP like the the people at Imagineering are just as creative as as anybody that's creating a movie or a TV show so why why can't you take you know their ideas and hey let's we've seen it in the past you know the Haunted Mansion's original IP Mystic Manor what Mel just brought up like there are so many great original IPs that have been created for the parks that are um beloved the most beloved attractions I think that that exist in Disney parks are all original IP mm-hmm. Nobody says, oh, the classic, uh, uh, I don't know, Toy Story Midway Mania, the classic. No, the, you know, the classic uh, this, the classic, you know, you, you know, Peter Pan's flight and et cetera. But those big e-tickets that that everybody, you know, that you want to go on, Haunted Mansion, Pirates of the Caribbean, the Matterhorn, Space Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And, it, I, you know, the list can go on because of the international parks. But here in the States and at Disney company-owned parks, the IP is strong. Um, So uh, all that to say, uh, I'm kind of uh, mixed on the Hatbox Ghost coming to Walt Disney World. (laughs) (laughs) So there's so much that both of you said that I want to comment on. I said so much, but yet there's so much I can't comment on. That's the that's the problem. But yeah. I'm going to start with this. You both made a great point about original IPs in other parks. So first, to address something Mel said, I don't think we're going to see the Hatbox Ghost outside of Anaheim and Florida. Uh, because some of those stories are so unique, like Phantom Manor, for instance, or Mystic Manor. Mm-hmm. Like, they are so unique. Like, they already, like, Phantom Manor already has a phantom. Like, they already have kind of mm-hmm. their own aura and, or specter that's like the Hatbox Ghost, you know? So, because mm-hmm. those stories are so unique, I don't think we're going to see a spillover of the Hatbox Ghost outside of the two parks here. With that said, this is something that I was kind of dreading from the very first moment that I saw the trailer for the film. Because, uh-huh. like you said, the moment that they flashed the Hatbox ghost in that trailer, I knew that they were going to somehow f- going to find a way to m- use merchandise for the character on both coasts. Because it's a popular character. It wasn't at Walt Disney World. 
And when the rumors first began to circulate that it was coming to the Haunted Mansion at Disney World, I thought, what? No way. There, no, that's not going to happen. It's an original here. It, every mansion is different to some extent, right? Like, I get it. Right. They were built, like, a couple years apart, like, Andrew. And this is part of why I thought, like, maybe they want to keep something that's original to Disneyland and not really feed it to Disney World because it gives you that tourism, you know, leverage where they say, like, hey, if if you want to see the Hatbox Ghost, you have to go to Anaheim. You know, if you want to see this brand new character that we created, like Andrew was saying, you have to go to Walt Disney World, right? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of lost. I I honestly was worried that they were going to say, you know what, let's just put the Hatbox Ghost at Walt Disney World and we're good. Now, now we can do merchandise on both coasts and now we don't have to worry about it. The next thing I will say is... I had an opportunity to slip away and watch the Haunted Mansion film. Now I can't talk about the film because we're, you know, we're we're in solidarity with the SAG after strike, but I did have a chance to watch it. And because they flashed him in the trailer, I knew that something like this was coming. And it makes sense to me. You know, that for now I'm just going to say it makes sense that they bring them because they can they can make money off the character now on both mm-hmm. coasts that's what it comes down to they found a way yep. to make money off the character on both coasts so uh, this might be the official time to to say that we are officially going to petition to bring figment to anaheim because <laughs> why not yeah bring orange bird while you're at it yeah let's let's make let's some the- money off of figment and orange bird in anaheim you know what? You know what really make them mad, Walt Disney World people. If we got Figment and Dreamfinder, we got a we got a journey <laughs> in a working attraction. It, yeah, in <laughs> a, a journey into imagination, the original, not a journey into your imagination uh, with Figment. Yes, journey into imagination at uh, Disneyland with with Dreamfinder and Figment <laughs> and um, Orange Bird and uh, yeah, Orange Bird's orange in there too. Bird. Why not? Hold now on, on Autopia on. and yeah, on every we'll put, other attraction. Yes. <laughs> Hold Bird and Yosoy Orange Bird. I'm going to one-up you. And this may be really bad, but I'm going to one-up you. I say we just have the characters roaming around. Boom. Let's do there it. There you go. Let's do it. I don't know where Figment would go. I California Adventure, <laughs> the new mascot of California Adventure. Right? It's Figment. I you know what? That that doesn't sound uh Figment half should fly unplausible. over the castle. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes, at <laughs> Disneyland, Figment flies over the there Disneyland you go. castle. Yeah. <laughs> Dreamfinder in the in that contraption uh-huh. flying over the castle. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean look, I'm all for uh, marketing, like we see it with all the other characters, right? Of course, yeah. you have Mickey on both coasts, Minnie, Donald. You have all the characters. Uh, it just, I guess, you know, not having the argument is going to be that we do have a unique mansion, right? Because the Walt Disney World mansion has so many additional scenes, and it the the outer shell of the attraction is obviously different as well. Mm-hmm. So people will argue it is a different attraction, but it's not, right? Um, it's essentially the same thing. And so if we t- if there was an approach where 
you know, they did make them slightly unique where only certain characters appeared in certain locations. If they created a different character for Walt Disney World, I think it would have been a better approach. But ultimately, what it comes down to, like you said, is, you know, it's it's money, right? They found a way to market the character on both coasts. And there's so much more that I want to say um, because you mentioned a lot about the story and how there there's just these little tidbits that people have come up with there's there's so much that i want to talk about so here's what's that here's what we're gonna do so one mel and andrew have not had an opportunity to see the film and so uh i think we mentioned on one of our last two episodes that once they watch it, once we've all watched the film, we're going to sit down, we're going to talk about it, we're going to record an episode, but we're not going to release that episode. We're not going to release it until it's okay to release the content. So it's going to kind of just be banked until it's ready to get released. However, uh, I think we can have a conversation about this on Discord, just amongst us, right? It won't be recorded. Mm -hmm. It won't you know, it's just going to be a conversation we're going to have as if we were all getting together for dinner and just talking about this thing. So join us on Discord. We'll set something up and, you know, we'll set a time where we can all get together. You can snack if you want to have dinner or have dinner if you want to have dinner while we're talking about it. It's up to you. But uh, we're not going to record it. It's just going to be the conversation that we have at that time. And that's just kind of what where, where that's going to end. So... Uh, yeah, I, uh, ooh, so many feelings. <laughs> I know I just sound salty and bitter, but I'm, I'm not, I'm happy that they're getting it, but oh, at the same time, it's burning me that they're getting it. So, um, Disney, uh, summer 2024 figment at California adventure, the official mascot of DCA. And just take that old, that stage that, uh, Used to be like the the restaurant that's there by between Monsters Inc. and Hyperion. I'll just turn that into an attraction, a Figment thing, or that big Marvel store. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Figment attraction, yeah. do the whole thing. You know there what is looks? Space. <laughs> yeah, you know what looks like an old timey character, also from like the nineteen twenties, and could fit on a lot of old timey merchandise. Orange Bird. Yeah. <laughs> you can easily fit Orange Bird into old-timey 1920s advertisements that look great on a t-shirt. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Easy peasy. And sold. All yep. right. Tw- coming 2024. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough of that. Let's talk a little bit more about Disney's history. Uh, as you know, they're celebrating uh, 100 years and uh, we have a segment where Andrew's been filling us in with some Disney history in great moments with Mr. Andrew, with the great Mr. Andrew. Hey, hey, that's me. Um, so the uh, years this week are 1983, 1984. We will not be covering films or television uh, in solidarity with the strike. So we'll just skip over those. Um, other than I do want to say in 1983... Um, the Disney Channel debuts. Uh, that's not mentioning any uh, shows or anything. Just wanted to let you guys know that. From there, we will go to uh, a new section that I've added this uh, this week for video games in 1983. We have uh, three new releases. Uh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice for the Atari 2600. 
Mickey in the Great Outdoors for the Atari 8-bit computers, and Discs of Tron as an arcade cabinet. Uh, for theme parks in 1983, on January 16th, Merlin's Magic Shop at Disneyland closes. On March 5th, the Journey to Imagination track attraction opens in the Journey into Imagination Pavilion at Epcot Center. Um, also in March, a ceremony is held at Tokyo Disneyland to celebrate its completion. On April 7th, Walt Disney World welcomes its 150 millionth guest, Carrie Stahl. And on April 15th, Tokyo Disneyland opens its doors just outside of Tokyo, Japan, uh, under operation of the Oriental Land Company with a license from Disney. The park features various themed areas such as Adventureland, Fantasyland, Tomorrowland, Westernland, and World Bazaar. Among the attractions in Adventureland are the Pirates of the Caribbean, Jungle Cruise, Enchanted Tiki Room, and Western River Railroad. In Fantasyland, uh, we have Snow White's uh, Adventure, Pinocchio's Daring Journey, Haunted Mansion, and others. Uh, Tomorrowland has uh, Starcade, Star Jets, Grand Circuit Raceway. Um, in the in Westerland has uh, the Country Bear Theater, Davy Crocs' Explorer Canoes, and the Diamond Horseshoe Review. Um, throughout the park, various shops, restaurants, and entertainment venues. Uh, can be seen, notably the Crystal Palace, Club 33, and also including the World Confectionery Shop. Um, on April 23rd, the Fantasy in the Sky event premiered, captivating guests with a spectacular show. And just a month later, on May 23rd, Tokyo Disneyland celebrates its one millionth guest visiting. Um, so very short time from opening to, to making it one million. On May 25th, Disneyland unveils the newly renovated Fantasyland, featuring several exciting attractions and updates. Uh, the drawbridge of Sleeping Beauty Castle lowered for the second time ever, um, so it's quite a magical moment for the visitors that day. Among the new attractions were Mickey's Christmas Chalet Shop, Village House Restaurant, Pinocchio's Dairy Journey, uh, which replaced the Fantasyland Theater, the Village Inn, and uh, Snow White's Scary Adventure. Additionally, uh, Geppetto's Arts and Craft Shop was added, and later, uh, not opening with the rest of Fantasyland, but a couple uh, weeks later in May, uh, the reopening of Peter Pan's Flight, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and Dumbo the Flying Elephant. Um, on June 11th, the Refreshment Outpost Snack Bar opens in World Showcase at Epcot Center, and the Coca-Cola Refreshment Corner opens in World Bazaar at Tokyo Disneyland. In June, Disney introduces annual passports for use at Disneyland. And uh, also in June, the Sword in the Stone ceremony opens in Fantasyland at Disneyland. On August 13th, attendance at Tokyo Disneyland reaches a high of 94,378 for the day. Um, and on September 5th, Tokyo Disneyland welcomes its 5 millionth guest. On October 1st, the Town Square Cafe opens in Town Square Disneyland, and the Horizons Pavilion opens in Future World at Epcot Center. Um, it includes the film Choose Your Tomorrow and the film Omnisphere. And finally, on December 16th, the first uh, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party is held at the Magic Kingdom. Other notable events of 1983, uh, Walt Disney Productions introduces a line of home computer software featuring Mickey Mouse and friends. On February 24th, Card Walker resigns as uh, CEO. Ron Miller is elected as new CEO of Walt Disney Productions. Ray Watson is named vice chairman to become full chairman on May 1st when Card Walker retires that position. And on May 1st, Card Walker retires, uh, turning the job over to Ray Watson. The birthdays for 1983, we have February 23rd, Emily Blunt, March 12th, Ron Funches, uh, August 11th, Chris Hemsworth, August 14th, Mila Kunis, September 25th, Donald Glover, and November 19th, Adam Driver. 
uh, deaths of 1983. We have September 5th, Imagineer, Disney legend, all-around great guy, Yale Gracie. That brings us to 1984. And again, we are going to be skipping the films and TV section and go for video games in 1984, which the releases were Mickey Mouse 2 for the Nintendo Game & Watch, Mickey's Space Adventure, uh, available on DOS, uh, Apple Macintosh, Apple II, Commodore 64, and the TRS-80. And uh, let's see, a game called Onk Picasso, uh, which possibly translates to Scrooge McDuck. This is, was available on Tiger Electronics handheld LCD. And Donald Duck's Playground for the Commodore 64. Uh, for theme parks in 1984, on January 2nd, the Astuter Computer Review Show in Epcot closes, becoming the first attraction to close at the park. On January 3rd, the Circle Vision 360 Theater and Film America the Beautiful closes at Disneyland. On February 4th, the Backstage Magic Show opens in Communicore East in Future World at Epcot Center. On April 2nd, Tokyo Disneyland welcomes its 10 millionth guest. On April 14th, the new Alice in Wonderland ride opens in Fantasyland at Disneyland. And on April 30th, the Eastman Kodak Company ends sponsorship of the Golden Horse Review at Disneyland. Uh, as part of Donald Duck's 50th birthday, Disneyland and Walt Disney World... Uh, both have Donald Duck theme parades, while Tokyo uh, Disneyland has a stage show called Donald Duck's Birthday Party. On June 30th, the South Sea Traders Shop opens at Adventureland at Disneyland. Uh, you might know a special friend that uh, makes his uh, his uh, live-in over there at the South Sea Traders, if you know who I'm talking about. On July 4th, the world premiere Circle Vision Theater opens in Tomorrowland at Disneyland, sponsored by PSA. It was previously named the Circle Vision 360 Theater. The pre-show attraction film is All Because Man Wanted to Fly, with the main film being American Journeys. In October, George Lucas tours the Imagineering headquarters. Lucas' attention focuses on a flight simulator, and the idea for Star Tours is born. Also in October, Dick Nunes and Jim Cora give a presentation on building a European Disney theme park. They are told to begin negotiations with France and Spain. And December 19th, the Country Bear Christmas special debuts at Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom. Now here's a uh, special segment I've added in. Uh, our journey begins in January when Roy E. Disney, uh, the nephew of Walt Disney and a big shareholder in the company, grew discontent with the company's management team. He sought to uh, instigate change and in March made a daring decision to resign from the Disney board of directors. Uh, Roy's resignation ignited a spark that set into motion a series of intriguing events. In March, famed corporate raider Saul Steinberg entered the scene and steadily acquired shares of Walt Disney Productions. Meanwhile, Roy, along with a group dubbed the Brain Trust, sought to help from investment banking firm Lizard Fier and Company uh, to evaluate the company's worth. The analysis revealed that Disney would be valued at approximately $82 per share in a liquidation scenario. As Saul Steinberg's stake in Disney grew, so did tension. In a, a strategic move, uh, Ray Watson, a Disney executive, reached out to Richard Rainwater of Bass Brothers Enterprises for assistance against the looming takeover threat. The executives considered various options, including engaging in real estate development in Florida and seeking investments from Bass Brothers Enterprises to repel the Raiders. Uh, in April, Steinberg declared that his intentions to acquire 25% of Disney's outstanding stock shares, causing further turmoil within the company. 
Despite facing relentless pressure from Steinberg, Disney executives, led by Ron Miller, devised a plan to accumulate debt to resist the takeover. However, the situation became increasingly complex as an additional Raider group, such as Irwin Jacobs, entered into the competition, as you may well put it. In May, the situation took a dramatic turn when Raymond Chambers of Gibson Greetings suggested that Disney acquire their company. Uh, the Disney board approved a deal that would involve Disney issuing new shares of common stock for Gibson Greetings. However, Jacob contested the acquisition and filed lawsuits to block the deal, pushing Disney into a precarious position. Throughout this summer, the alliances shifted as various stakeholders lobbied for their preferred leadership teams. Stanley Gold and Frank Wells backed Michael Eisner as a new CEO and Frank Wells as president and COO. This alliance was supported by Sid Bass and Richard Rainwater, aimed to challenge the corporate raiders and uh, aimed to restore stability to Disney. Uh, in September... A crucial board meeting took place, and the fate of Disney hung in the balance. The board unanimously elected Michael Eisner as chairman and CEO, and Frank Wells as president and COO, effectively, effectively shuffling the top leadership positions. Eisner's visionary approach and Wells' operational expertise combined to breathe new life into Disney, heralding a period of transformation for the company. Uh, so, yeah, so the company is trying to get bought out, and... Um, uh, Roy tried to buy the company at one point. All these other people trying to buy the company, and a big long thing ended up making Michael Eisner uh, CEO. So uh, there's the bumpy quick story of how Michael Eisner became CEO of Disney. Uh, anyway, other notable events of 1984. On May 21st, Donald Duck put his web footprints in the cement at Grauman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood. And the birthdays for 1984. April 10th, Mandy Moore. April 18th, America Ferreira. April 27th, Patrick Stump. June 26th, Aubrey Plaza. September 27th, Avril Lavigne. October 25th, Katy Perry. And November 22nd, Scarlett Johansson. So that's it for uh, great moments with Mr. Andrew. Uh, with me, uh, Mr. Andrew. So uh, take it away, not me. Hey, that would be me, me I guess. Take, yeah. uh, you're not me, so that's away. fine. Yay. It would be you. Whoever's not, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michael Eisner taking over the company or being one of the two people running the company at that point uh, is debated by a lot of people as good, bad, great, horrible. You look back on it and there were a lot of things that I think that Michael Eisner gave us that would never have happened if he wasn't as open to having them in the park as others may or may not have been. Mm -hmm. But you know, if, if there's anything that I've learned over the last couple of years is that we can be right about certain leaders and we can be wrong about certain leaders. And you know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to saying that for a really long time I was a huge fan of Bob Iger and there's just some things that he's doing or has done that I'm just not a fan of, you know, and I think that's where Michael Eisner kind of falls. But if you want to read a book that talks uh, a lot about Michael Eisner's tenure, like a, a really great book, it's a book by James B. Seward called The Disney War. Uh, if mm -hmm. you can get your hands on that book, there's a lot of really great insight on a lot of the things that were happening within the company, a lot of the struggles, a lot of uh, what Andrew was talking about. So uh, if you're looking for a read, The Disney War by James B. Stewart is a great one to pick up. I've heard that's a great book. I think that also covers stuff I even, didn't even put in here because I was uh, scrunched for spaces like 
you know, Jeffrey Katzenberg comes on at the same time with these guys mm-hmm. and all this stuff about you know, there. There's just so much stuff. I think that's all covered in the Disney War yep. book, especially with the the Katzenberg stuff, yeah. which is all all really interesting. I'll say with about Jeffrey Katzenberg seems like a, a maniac. Yeah, <laughs> at, at times he did seem just like he was just crazy, you know. But I, you know, I. People call Steve Jobs crazy. I guess you have to have some level of crazy to do this type of stuff, right? But if you're just yep. looking for a straight up, you know, b- book about Michael Eisner, there's also uh, his biography. Uh, uh, I think it's his autobiography. It's work in progress, risking failure, surviving something. I don't remember what it's called, but um, that's also uh, a good book if you just want to learn more yeah. about Michael Eisner and his. Like his side of the story, basically, yeah, everything that he went through. But my opinion on uh, Eisner net positive. Yeah, I I say Eisner at the end net positive. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's it. I think that's gonna wrap it up for this episode. Uh, Interesting. I know that there was a lot of saltiness. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in regards to the half box ghost listen we're not trying to start a war you know it's you know we, maybe we, just, we are uh, who knows let's start maybe, a war maybe, i guess we'll see <laughs> hey guess can hey we, listeners marshmallows because hey, those are tasty you just like if you shoot them at each other then we could just pick up marshmallows and just eat them sure at the marshmallow war but just to let you know disneyland's better like I've, I'm, I'm okay with saying okay, it. Yeah, I've, look, it's that's the truth. You're not saying anything controversial. Yes. it's the truth. But, but that that's <laughs> a, that'll start some fights ah, up there. No, I, I, there is nothing controversial about what you just said, other than I'm the not truth. sorry. Disneyland is the best. <laughs> I love Walt Disney World, but Disneyland's better. And of what can I say? And of course, if you want to throw a little more truth in there, our castle is better. Yeah. Yeah. Our castle is It's better. a better. <laughs> we got the Matterhorn. All right. That's it. That's going to wrap it up for this <laughs> week. Uh, until next time, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye. And our Space Mountain is better. And our Main Street is better. Our Pirates is Our Haunted is Mansion is better. Our Pirates our, is way small better. Our World is better. Oh, yeah. That Small World facade is awful. Our Autopia is better. Our Buzz Lightyear is better. Their Buzz Lightyear is bad. Our Buzz Lightyear is way better. Our railroad's better. Part of the Podcateers Network.